good evening and welcome to the Halloween special of the Gretna FC 2008 Fans Podcast. And we couldn't think of anywhere more scary to start than West Cumbria. So here's Johnny. Jonathan. Hello, how are we doing? Are we all right today? Are you feeling scary? Uh, I'm feeling good, yeah. I'm okay in a minute. <laughs> Very good indeed. And we've had some good news for your good self this week. Yes, uh, I've got a uh, mortgage approved for a house. So, yeah. So, Excellent. Jonathan has some work to live, finally, which makes him uh, quite unique in West Cumbria. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we are very happy to say we've got a special guest joining us this evening. Um, all the way from Leven in Fife, please say good evening to Craig Doyle, football photographer. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, gentlemen, and congratulations to Jonathan on receiving this mortgage. Welcome to the world. Thank you. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. We, we know it's been a little while in coming, so we're very pleased that um, Jonathan and his good lady, who incidentally designed our logo. So thank you, yes. Amy. Um, we've never said that publicly, I don't think. That's really bad of us. So um, congratulations to both of you. Thank you very much. So... Um, Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah, so uh, the weekend has uh, been and gone, and we're now not far away from next weekend, but uh, let's just have a review of last weekend. It was the first ever live streaming of Gretna FC 2008 uh, against our good friends from BSC Glasgow. Uh, Jonathan was a little bit more involved than I think he intended, ending up as co-commentator. So there's no one better placed than to review last week's game than Jonathan himself. So tell us all about it, Jonathan. Yeah, um, first of all, I just want to say thank you for Mozza for letting me co-commentate. Uh, it was an interesting experience. I quite enjoyed it. Uh, and yeah, it was uh, the stream, stream went well. We got a lot of viewers in, so it's all good for both clubs. Um, on to the game itself. Uh, Gretna actually started the match relatively uh, well. Um, you know, from kickoff, really, you know, attacking down the wings, Sean Rogers getting involved, and we created a few chances early on. And probably for, you know, the first 10 minutes, we were, I think we sort of shocked PSC, really, and we were a much better team. Um, unfortunately, on the, I think it's the 11th minute, um, there was a penalty given to BSC, which me and Moza both, uh, agree, you know, agreed on that it was very soft and it shouldn't really have been a penalty, but... The referee, uh, who I will not name, uh, give the penalty and uh, BSC scored from that, uh, Ross Lyon. So that made it 1-0 BSC. But even after that, you know, we, s- we still played pretty well. Uh, we were getting good joy down the wings. Sean Rogers getting involved quite a- quite early on, creating chances. Um, and then it was just like a, a ball up the-, the pitch, really, from the keeper and just completely bamboozed our defence. Um, Ryan Tierney got in behind and there's a bit of a mix-up, I think, with communication between Aaron and Dan. And uh, Ryan Tierney just sort of spotted it in from like two yards out. It's probably one of the easiest goals to ever score. Um, you know, after that, it was quite even. BSC was sort of going in the game, you know, 2-0 up. Uh, we, we were still creating chances. Uh, I don't know what, what minute it was, but Dan Snell had a great chance in the first half. It was a fantastic key, uh, save from David Wilson in goal. And if that had gone in, it would be a different game. And obviously, it would have changed the scoreline. But that wasn't to be. Um, second half, 
Uh, BSC just got stronger, you know, they controlled the game, they passed the ball around. Um, and then it was uh, 56 minutes, Ross Lyon again, the second goal of the game. It was just basically a free kick from Gretna, cleared from the BSC defence. And it was just a, a, a really quick counter-attack and uh, made it 3 nil, And that was sort of game over then. And um, yeah, after that, you know, BSC just made us chase the game a little bit. We got a bit tired, you know, and... Uh, and that was the game, really. It was. Uh, mm. I don't think it was a three-nil uh, scoreline, really. If no, to be um, honest. But um, it, you know, I agree with you, Jonathan. Um, the BSC chances, and we didn't. That's that story yeah. season so far, isn't it? Yeah, I listened to the um, BSC manager afterwards, and he said he was a bit disappointed, and it should have been four or five to them, which I think was a bit harsh on us, to be fair. Well, yeah, um, I know they hit the post didn't they, in the second half. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think uh, I, I don't think it was a three 0 uh, game in person. No. The penalty was very soft. You know, it shouldn't have been a penalty really. And again, a defensive mix up. And that's two 0 and then it was a quick counter attack for three 0 So, I think the lads, yeah. be, you know, be encouraged from that. But we need to start yeah. chances. You know, we need to. We are creating a lot of chances, but we're not scoring them, which ultimately is a difference, isn't it, between these teams? I counted four or five chances in like the first half hour. Um, yeah. So if we'd have taken just one of those, which is a normal sort of percentage, you'd have hoped um, we'd have been in the game then. But uh, as you say, you've got to take your chances. Um, just if anyone's listening and they want to see the game, you can still watch it in full on uh, Twitch via Moz's page. There are links on all of our all of the official social media platforms. And there is a highlights package available now as well. So you can uh, just go to Moz's Twitch page and we can find out, uh, you can watch all of the highlights and listen to uh, Jonathan's commentary as well. <laughs> and, and once again, I'll just echo uh, Jonathan's thanks to Mozart and his crew from BSC Glasgow who came down and um, filmed the game for us, live streamed it as well. Yeah. And I believe there was what around about 150 plus watching at one point yeah at one point it was, really was a plus 150 so that's brilliant for both sides getting some exposure and it's just uh, you know great work from Mozza and his, and his team you know putting the, the streams together and the, you know everything like that and you know doing it for free as well which you know yeah, yeah. shout out to them guys yeah and if you are watch, if you did watch the game uh, or if you are going to go and watch it uh, later still or if you're watching the highlights um, please remember that uh, both Gretna, especially, and BSC Glasgow are getting zero income at the moment. So if you do have a few pennies free, um, please go to www.donateaticket.com and then search for either Gretna or BSC Glasgow and you can drop a few quid in there and that will ensure that both clubs keep going for as long as we possibly can. Um, we need the fans back really to survive. Um, but there's no real sign of that at the moment. So we've had a lot of talk of live streaming and cameras and things like that. So uh, quite a good link, really, to introduce our guest tonight, which is Craig Doyle, football photographer. So hello again, Craig. How are you doing, Ian? Yeah, we're really good tonight. Um, we've finally finished work for the night, so it's good, and we can have a chat about football. So, Craig... Um, <laughs> I suppose the first thing is just to say a bit about yourself and how did you get into football photography? Because I know that's um, 
it wasn't your first profession, was it? Craig? It wasn't, no. Um, and it's quite interesting. I think anyone who's looked into football photography will find that there's no sort of job adverts, there's no obvious career path in there. And almost everyone that you speak to who is involved in football photography, either at the top level or just down the park at the weekend photographing, gets into it in a completely different way. For me, it was a case of I first bought a camera over a decade back, self-interest, DSLR camera, and I was just looking to take some snaps. And I was invited along one weekend to do a local amateur game in the Fife um, Amateur League. I think it was actually the Kingdom Amateur League at the time before the two leagues joined together. Uh, A little bit of amateur football and Fife there for Mm -hmm. you, but... um, uh, and I actually, I quite enjoyed it. I mean, at the time, I, I hadn't realised the demands of the kit required to do it sort of like a, a higher level or whatnot, but I, I had a passion for it. I had a, a desire to get better at it. And over time, I uh, I went and sort of pursued that. But to start with, football wasn't really the, the way in for me in photography. I actually uh, came into the sort of sports photography scene by doing tennis. I had a, a sort of working relationship with Tennis Scotland, who are, are based out of Edinburgh. I did a number of events for Tennis Scotland, including a lot of university events. And then I, I got a bit of a lucky break. I started emailing around numerous UK-based agencies to see if I could actually go to a proper tennis event. And um, struck a little bit of luck at the turn of the decade when, at, at the last decade, I should say, I think it was 2011 when I went to cover the French Open at Roland Garros. And that was um, wow. that was me getting in there because someone else was unavailable at the last minute. And I seized that opportunity, went for two weeks to Roland Garros, and I found I was completely out of my depth. Uh, if you've ever <laughs> heard the phrase, you know, having all the equipment but no idea, that's kind of where I was. Yeah, all again, no idea. Okay. <laughs> and I actually went there thinking I was quite good, but within about you know a few hours, I realised that everyone else was a lot better. But there's, you know, it's uh-huh. like everything else. You either sink or swim. You got to figure it out real quick. And within a couple of days, I think I had improved maybe tenfold. I, I was producing a lot better pictures, and from there, I, I did a little bit of stuff, uh, tennis stuff going forward, and, and I really improved the... I, I took the stuff that I'd done from there and I really improved what I was doing for Tennis Scotland. And at that stage, I started to move back into doing football because, let's be honest, how many tennis events are there out there that are, are significant enough to be making newspapers? Not many. Um, so it was a case of, mm-hmm. let's see what we can do with football. Um, and as we well know in here, there's football everywhere at all levels, and... Photography or football is a massive thing. Um, football pictures make the papers every day. They make websites every hour, every minute. You'll see things going up now on social media. And there's, there's a real craving um, for football at all levels, you know, whether it's a community newspaper, um, local news, regional news, national news. Um, I moved away from the, the professional scene to start with. I, I really... You know, I didn't have the greatest confidence in my abilities at football. It's not like tennis where the ball just comes back and forth over the net and eventually you will get a decent photo. Um, you know, football, you miss a goal, mm-hmm. you miss a goal. Um, so a couple, a couple of years later, I did pick it up. I, I invested in the equipment a little bit more. Um, found myself an agency down south who was willing to give me a go. I may have overstated how many football matches I'd done just to get a, 
on, on, on the ticket, so to say. Um, and it went from there. I mean, I, I, there were no boundaries. I mean, as soon as I signed up the agency, it's like, do you want to go to a Premier League match? It wasn't sort of like you're new to the agency, let's, you know, send you to um, National League North or something like that, just for a warm-up. It was just like, right, you, yeah. you know what you're doing, yeah. on you go. Um, so I was I, I was I was lucky enough to, to go out on the first one and to get myself a Carlisle game as a quick warm up uh, to to get into it. Then the second week uh, of the job, I was at Newcastle United. Um, wow! Well. But as I say, you know, you're doing the exact same thing, regardless if there's you know fifty, sixty thousand people behind you watching the game, or if there's fifty or sixty people behind you watching the game. The focus for you is exactly the same thing. Um, and, and I really just took it from there and run with it. And since then, I've covered everything from Premier League, Champions League, um, right down to Lowland League, East of Scotland, amateur. I do a lot of women's football now up here. Um, I do a lot of kids stuff, you know, um, under 15s, under 13s. It's, it really is all the same once you've got the, a grasp of the basics. You've you, you really have the football photography thing and there's so many opportunities out there to go and take some fantastic pictures. Yeah. So what sort of standard of football do you prefer covering? Do you prefer like the big games at like St. James's Park or places like that? Or, you know, is it more like the women's football or the juniors or is it all the same? What do you really get the biggest buzz These from? days I get a bigger buzz from the smaller games. Um whether it's the women's football or sort of like Lowland League, um, I, I think you go to a lot of places where the ground's got character. There's a there's a different atmosphere to it. There's a lot more to see. Um, you go to some of these big grounds now, and they all look kind of similar inside. Um, well, particularly at the minute, they don't look particularly great. But um, you know, there is there's a certain buzz <laughs> comes with when you go to a, a Premier League game and. You, you take that picture of someone running away with their arms up in the air and you've got this massive crowd in the background and, you know, that never gets old you, and you always get a great picture from that. But I think, like, some of the the real top guys out there are shooting at Lowland League level or East of Scotland level or down south, similar levels. You know, they might be doing Ishmael League or um, one of the sort of tier seven mm. or eight leagues. I see a lot of great stuff going out um, and guys who have got that vision to be able to capture images of the ground and be able to capture the atmosphere or what the match means to the people who go to it. And there's a real skill to that. And I think there's a, an added intimacy to it as well because you actually get to get closer to the fans, you get to get closer to the players. Um, you get a chance to capture things that even as a photographer at Premier League level with pitch level access, you, you just don't have... There's still that gap between the photographer and the, and the players, the photographer and the the manager that doesn't exist uh, at, at lower league football. And it's amazing what you can do when you bridge that cap, uh, gap sorry, and, and really add that extra intimacy to the images that connects the, uh, the sort of players to the fans and, and you're able to show that in the pictures. Yeah, yeah. So I know we talked about you know, grounds looking a bit grim at the moment, especially with no fans in. Have you been able to get 20 grounds during... A sort of lockdown of supporters into football grounds at the moment, and how are you finding yeah, that? Yeah, I was, uh, I think a few people might know now, I was at St James's Park in August, maybe September, when, sorry, it would have been September, when Newcastle played against Brighton, 
and I was actually stepping in for my agency boss uh, as a Brighton club photographer that day. And to say it's surreal is one thing. Um, the atmosphere, just looking around and the, the empty seats and when you're sitting there, there's there's no sh no sort of roar from the crowd to alert you to the fact that the ball's coming up your end of the pitch. You've got to be fully alert. Mm. Uh, you, you hear every conversation that's going on with the players. It's, um, it's, it's really almost disturbing at times when you're sitting there and you're watching it and you're not really sure if you're watching a training exercise or if you're watching this multi-million pound billion pound football league um it, it's it's really incredible and the the other thing that stood out to me was the, the safety uh element involved i mean i counted eight different checkpoints i had to go through to get pitch side um getting stopped having mm -hmm. your credentials right. checked multiple times having your temperature checked speaking to the club doctor making sure you've parked in the right place, making sure you're going in the right entrances and, and not stepping between the dedicated amber and red zones that have been assigned, making sure that you're sitting in the, the numbered photography spot that you're now allocated. It, it's very, very strict times. Um, understandable, of course, given the sort of finances involved. Um, Certainly, it's a different experience. And even I've been at Easter Road since I did Hebson Hamilton, which was a, a kind of similar experience, but maybe not in a, a strict security scale. And I've started in the last month um, with the resumption of the lower leagues and the women's leagues. I've done a couple of women's games and I was out at Ainsley Park doing Spartans and one of their preseason friendlies. And again, um, you guys probably haven't visited Ainsley Park yet, but they've got a sort of one-way system for people entering and exiting the stadium. There's um, markings all over the stadium telling you, you know, to stay two metres apart from people who stand here, don't sit in that seat. It's uh, even, even going into a place like Ainsley Park, it's entirely different to what it was um, at the start of the year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've got the same at Gretna. Um, different teams have to enter through different entrances. Um, my my speciality uh, was taking people's temperatures um, on last Saturday and then uh, sanitising balls. And we've worked out that we need 18 additional staff just to get a game on at Gretna. Um, so that's just what's going on at Gretna and like at Spartans at Ainsley Park. So you can imagine what it's like at somewhere like St. James's Park or the Premier League as well. So, um, But these are the times we find ourselves in. They are, Ian, and I can imagine the additional costs at Lowland League level to, to get more staff in. I mean, obviously, you guys are heavily reliant on volunteers, but when you, you, you look up and down the, Correct, yeah. the football um, pyramid system, how many clubs are fortunate enough to be able to draw on that many volunteers regularly to keep the games on? It, it's, it's really, really difficult. And I really hope that the supporters out there do understand uh, that, that even if they can't get to games, it's, it's still a huge challenge to get these matches on. Yeah, yeah, um, and we've we've talked about uh, this on this podcast before, but just simple things like away trips. So either every player has to drive themselves, which is never ideal preparation for a game, but such is, or we have to hire a bus like twice the size of what we would normally do, and that creates twice the costs. So. Yeah. Um, football, especially at Gretna's levels, under a lot of pressure. 
Um, anyway, Craig, you mentioned there that you would talk uh, a little bit about women's football. Uh, and, and as you know, I've seen a few games at, at Spartans at ANC Park. We seem to talk about Spartans a lot on this podcast, but there we go. Do, so yeah. how, did you get, how did you get involved in, in the women's side of the game? Because, you know, it's a definitely up-and-coming product and, and the uh, standards are improving every year and, and Scotland are doing pretty well at it as well. Yeah, I've been involved in the women's side of the game for over a decade. Um, I was doing a little bit of photography stuff for the University of St Andrews. So they, like a lot of universities in the last decade up here, they put a really big push on their sports. Um, not just, you know, your, your team sports, your football, your rugby, but even some of the smaller sports. And what they used to do up there was they used to have a, a pre-season week where they would get all their athletes in and they would, you know, do sort of training camps, et cetera, et cetera. And as part of that, I had uh, agreed a contract to go around and photograph various different clubs. And it's a a sort of five-day camp thing. And by the end of the fifth day, I'd been around everyone and some uh, fella comes running over to me and says to me, when are you coming to do women's football? I was like, well, I've, you know, in terms of the contract, we're to do five days. And unfortunately, I've not had the chance to see you guys. I've gone to... I think about 40 different clubs out of the 60 that you've got. And, and sadly, a few people are going to have to miss out. And the, the guy just looked like horribly offended by this. And, you know, I felt a little bit, I felt a little <laughs> bit guilty, you know. And I, th- I said, well, do you have a, a match coming up or even a training session or something? And St. Andrews is 25 minutes along the road from me. I'll come along and I'll do an hour or, or, or whatever it takes to, to give you something. And he said, yeah, yeah, next Friday we've got a, a, a match arranged against, uh, I think it was East Fife women they were playing. And I said, ah, you know, deal, I'll come along and do a little bit. And uh, to be honest, at that time, I didn't have a good handle on what standard women's football was at. I wasn't really sure what to expect, to be fair. Um, and this gentleman, Craig Pylon, he's now a, a coach over in Australia, actually, a very, very good coach over in Australia. Um, he came over, met me, introduced me to the girls and said, you know, just feel free to do what you you want to do and uh, we'll happily take anything you can give us. And I actually had a really good time at that game. It was, uh, I think it might have finished 3-2 to East Fife. Uh, it was a really good game. Close for um, high standard, uh, certainly uh, for the time anyway. I mean, the standard's going up and up every year, but uh, at that point, it was, it was a good standard. The, the university played really well. And I thought, you know, I could do a little bit more of this. I could actually come out and photograph this. There's a lot to see here. There's, there's great pictures to be had. And it looks like there's not a lot of people willing to come and cover this. So I got an invite back to another match um, a few weeks later. And, and from there, I started to expand out a little bit. I started to to cover the university women's team on a Wednesday afternoon when I had free time. I started to then make contacts with other university women's teams Um including the guy at Edinburgh University. I, I then did a little bit for them. And then he introduced me to the Scottish women's football uh, Premier League set up on a Sunday. And I got involved in that. And, and from there, I've kind of just bounced around between different teams, working for the league, working for various teams. And I would, I, I would say now the, the, the standard in this country just through the sheer number of young women taking the sport up and coming through academies has shot up massively. Even in the last two to three years, we're talking about the standards going through the roof. And I think a lot of that has been reflected in the fact that the Scottish women's national team is performing very well. 
And down south, you I mean, the changes in the WSL down south have been phenomenal in the last five years. They have a, a TV deal with BT Sport. They, the England women's team's performing very well. And some of the best players in the world are now coming to these shows to play football. So it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to be allowed to be involved in documenting some of that up here. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'd just like to go back to your involvement with Newcastle now. Um, as you know, I, I sometimes uh, can be found at St. James's Park in, in normal times. And I noticed uh, towards the end of last season, especially when we were still in, in the ground, that you tended to be uh, behind the Newcastle goal rather than seeing all the Newcastle goals going in at the other end. Um, was there any reason for that, or, or, or how do you decide, you know, which end of the ground you're going it to be at? It kind of depends on your assignment. Um, if you've got an assignment for a particular club, then you will tend to sit behind the goal that they're attacking because you're looking to try and get the goal celebration of them scoring. Um, there's a little bit of luck involved. I mean, you could sit either side of the goals in the corner at most grounds, so you're kind of hoping that when they score, they run in your direction and not the other direction. But... Uh, if, you, if you've got the freedom to choose and then, you know, I've, you're going to try and favour the team you think is probably going to win the game. One thing that's um, you have to take into account is you need the ball to be sort of in your half. I mean, even the big lens that, that we carry, you're not really shooting a lot up the far end of the pitch. Not, not in the sort of detail that you'd like to be shooting. So you want to be somewhere where you think you're going to see the ball as often as possible. So... You've got to make a sort of informed decision. And sometimes, like I went to uh, the most recent game I was at was Boromir Thistle versus Aberdeen women in the Scottish Women's Premier League 2. And I had gone there on a sort of favour for Boromir. So I did Boromir first half. And within two minutes, there were a goal down. Within four minutes, there were two goals down. And I was down the wrong end. And you can, as you can imagine, I'm suddenly thinking, uh-oh, I've got a problem here. Um, I'm, I'm not taking a lot of pictures. They're not getting mm. a lot of the ball. And uh, I had to make the decision at half time do a swap ends and continue focusing on the, the hope that Borough Muir is going to score. Well, they were 4 0 down at half time, so I decided to sit still and just photograph Aberdeen second half. And I think that kind of paid dividends for me. It, it finished 9 0 to Aberdeen. It was a bit of a, a one sided game. Really, really good young Aberdeen wow. women's side. Uh, Aberdeen's a, a, a men's team who are applying money into the women's side at the minute and, and pushing the development there. So yeah, a lot of it is um, making the decision for yourself what's going to get you the best pictures um, and what, what satisfies what your customers ask him for. One, and what would you say is the, the sort of, in terms of, because obviously it's, um, I know, Craig, it, it's part kind of hobby and part a paid job as well, but what 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 is the most valuable picture? Is it is it like the goal scorer? Is it like, Maybe a manager shouting, or when players arrive at a ground, or, or what? What tends to be the most valuable picture that you've found in in your experience? Yeah, it's real difficult to say. Again, it depends on the needs of the customer. Um, I've got customers at the minute where they produce like a match day program, so they need like action shots. They need the the key moments, such as the celebration shots from goals, goals going in. They need shots of the manager. They they need shots of the ground. For a newspaper, I mean, you pick up any newspaper, have a look at what the newspapers print, and I think you'll tend to see a lot of really nice celebration shots on the back mm. pages of, of newspapers. Certainly, a, a lot of the ones that I've had on back mm. pages have, have all been sort of like celebration shots. The the 
the action stuff tends to be when, when you get a really bad challenge um, and someone gets an injury or, or there's a, a red card or whatever. Those tend to sell pretty well. Um, but then, you know, that's kind yeah. of if you're working for the press side of things. Like, if we're going to be brutally honest, and I don't think this will be a huge revelation, the press is really struggling at the minute. Newspapers aren't selling. Um, the, the price per picture over the last 10 mm. years has completely disintegrated. Um, unless you're working for Getty or Reuters these days, or the Associated Press, you're really not doing full-time football. You, you know, you've got to find other things to do with the camera to to keep making money, and and that's just kind of the harsh reality of it. Uh, those of us who are, are working for the smaller agencies, we do a lot of stuff um, at Lowland League level, at Easter Scotland level, in women's football because. Um, I think there's there's less glamour attached to it. There's less people trying to get into that, and there's opportunities um, out there if if you know who who to speak to and, and what the customers are looking for to, to to actually still make money with the camera. But it's a it is a real difficult profession, and I think for someone to go out and make money from football photography these days, I think there's a lot less chance of doing it from football photography than there is actually putting your boots on and playing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well. I did have my boots at the Gretna game on Saturday, but um, no one took me up on the offer. Um, now, um, obviously, we're the Gretna FC 2008 fans podcast, and I know you've um, been with me uh, at least once to see a Gretna game, but have you ever photographed any Gretna games at I've all? I've never been involved. Gretna, actually. The closest I've come to photographing Gretna is I went up to see Gretna take on Kelty a couple of years ago. I think it was mm, possibly September-ish, October-ish, and uh, let's not mention the score. It wasn't going well at half time, as far as I remember. I think it might have been three or four nil at half time. I think it may have finished that way. Um, but uh, I, my memory yeah. doesn't serve me well. But I'd actually gone up because I had a, a sort of local level cup final was being played up at Kelty's ground. Um, as you you know, you guys will be well aware, a lot of the grounds are multi-use and a lot of. Um, yeah amateur teams and associations use them for like cup finals etc so that was my first visit in a long time to Kelty and I just wanted to uh, get a bit of the lay of the land you know it's always good to do a little bit of research and not turn up to these places blind so that you know that when you come in what do I need to photograph before the players arrive where are the players arriving from those sort of things so I thought I'd you know go up have a little uh, look at yeah. Kelty and Gretna in action and uh yeah, it's a good day out. And I think that's one thing, like, coming on this podcast that I feel I should mention is that uh, I, I know the Lowland League pushes the, the, the tagline affordable football, and it absolutely is affordable football. And it's absolutely, you know, you that's get value yeah. for money. You get a, a good game of football. And it's something, I, you know, I, I hope a lot of people will check out. I think um, that the standard's good. Um, the coverage has gotten superb. I mean, you guys, I came on here, you guys are talking about a Twitch stream of Gretna. I mean, can you believe that? Live football from Gretna. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it took us back to the FA Cup uh, a number of years ago against, was it Bolton or Rochdale? I forget which game it was. I think it was Bolton that was live on the BBC. Um and we, we had the whole thing now. I was watching that just the other day, well, during lockdown, and uh, I was fascinated to see that. And then there we are again, um, basically on the television through, through the sort of modern-day streaming. So quite something. Um, Jonathan, I think you've got a few quick-fire questions for Craig. Yeah, I just wanted to know, like, is there, like, a, a player or even a team or even a stadium that, you, that you'd that you love to, like, take a picture yeah, of that you haven't um... yet? 
I've, funnily enough, I've never ever managed to do Lionel Messi. I'm probably going to miss out on him. I know he's been over here a couple of times, um, like so Celtic and stuff in the Champions League, but it's always just been massively oversubscribed with photographers sitting shoulder to shoulder to get in, so I've always missed out on that opportunity. I think um, it would be a, a box to, to tick off sort of thing that... Um, you know, you, you, you've had the, one of the greatest players in the in the world under the camera. I mean, I, I've been really fortunate in that being able to do the Premier League, I've seen a lot of top guys. And, and funnily enough, um, I've actually had the Panini stickers and playing, and, and uh, sorry, trading cards um, created using photos of guys like Eden Hazard, Romelu Lukaku. Um, and that's, you know, it's an honour to, to see those things going up online. And you're like, wow, that's my photo they've used for um, this year's Panini sticker album or, or whatever. So... Um, it's always been great to, to to capture some of those like top superstars, but um, Messi's one that's got away. Um, as, as far as grams, I mean, I'm not yeah. as big a fan of the massive grams as other people are. I think like a lot of them are, are now very goldfish bowl like. They're all the same sort of design. Um, lost a lot of the character that the grams in the past have got. So. One thing, um, and I hate keeping going back to Spartans on the Gretna podcast, but I was down at Ainsley Park the other week and uh, I, I was doing some stuff for the women's team and, and I was kind of like photographing the ground. And I was actually, I did a bit up at Megatland uh, as well for a team recently. And just getting in for a couple of hours when there's no one in is, is something I have a real passion for and just wandering around and uh, photographing grounds that have got real character you know they might only have one stand or they might have a, a unique looking clubhouse or building or, or some sort of feature in the background that really brings to life uh the character of that ground and you just you don't really see that the further up the leagues you go you know there are all these big massive all-seater stadiums and they all feel a bit similar whereas if you when you get down to the grassroots level and you know you're going to all these grounds and it just fascinates me, uh, the design of the place and, and what you can do with a camera to, to really show off the character of all these sort of unique little places where football is played. Yeah, um, the next question I had was, uh, what's been your, like, have you had like a favourite story or favourite memory of, uh, in your um, career? As, yeah, as I been? think you remember quite a lot of the first, like I remember the first time I went to Newcastle, I remember the sort of like the first time I did a tennis event. One of the good ones was my first um, commission with the Football League paper. Um, and for those not familiar with the Football League paper, it's a newspaper that's printed containing uh, championship level down to the bottom of League Two every week. Um, it's an interesting publication if, if you're into the sort of football league level of a football down south. It's kind of like a really, really good paper for the views of matches, etc. And it, it comes out on a, on a Sunday morning. And uh, what they do is they offer a commission uh, to every single game that week to a photographer and, and you snap away. And uh, depending on, you know, what the results are and how many goals are scored and what, the, you know, the big talking points are, you might hit a, a front page or a, a back page or a, a middle spread or, or, or whatever. And I got extremely lucky in my, my first um, ever commission with them. I did a, uh, I did a game, got the got the front cover, got a double page spread inside, and I was actually, you know, I was I was really thrilled with that because I think there's, you never lose the satisfaction of seeing your 
images go into print, um, particularly in a, you know in a newspaper or whatever, there's always a huge satisfaction just uh, seeing that on the shelf sort of thing. And and that that one did stick with me with the football league one. That's brilliant, yeah. Yeah, and Craig, one for me. What's your favourite ever photograph that you've taken? Which, if you said, if you had to sort of really single in on on one or one or two, which is the one that you thought Oof, that's always my go-to question. picture? Uh, to try, try, try and put a bit of contact yeah. uh, context into this one, Craig. <laughs> um, at, at an average match, you'll take anywhere between okay. thousand and two thousand photos. Um, that's how many times the, the cameras are going to click. Oh, wow. So you may come away from there with anything between, you know, 60 and 200 photos that you keep. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of, like, how many mm. games you, you cover a year, how many times you click that camera a year, trying to pick out one or two is, is a challenge. But, um, I, 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 you know, I've, I've certainly got a, a couple. Um, Just a bit. I, I did have a good one at the uh, Davis Cup between... Uh, Andy Murray and Juan, Mer- Juan Martin Del Pocho, where Del Pocho actually he, he won that match, and that that's one of my favourite non-footballing ones. I also had a good one at a, good one at Andy Murray when he was playing at Flushing okay. Meadows in New York. Um, yeah. I'd gone out and done the tournament there. Um, in terms of football, um, one of my highlights was, and Ian is going to love this one, was uh, I think it was the the last day of the championship season when Newcastle got promoted the second time recently. And Dwight Gale scored the third goal right yeah. at the end. Um, yeah, there's a lovely celebration of shot of right him, at the end. Um, indicating that Newcastle was going up and Sunderland was heading in the other direction. Um, and, and that one, you know, there's a bit more context <laughs> around that one. Because about 10 seconds later, the crowd erupted again because uh, Aston Villa had scored against Brighton and Newcastle actually ended up winning the championship. So... That one's definitely one that, you know, it's, it's just a lovely celebration photo of uh, Dwight Gale. And um, the, when you, you add the sort of story in around the, the picture and what it means, the, the context to it, it's uh, it's one of those pictures that I do keep uh, on my desktop, on my uh, background for my for my Windows desktop. So, uh, yeah, I guess that one's one of my, my favourites. Brilliant. That's a, yeah, that's a good one. And, and, I'm, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening uh, to us on this podcast this week will, will have pictures of football dotted around their rooms as well. And I'm just looking around my room right now. And uh, I've got a, a picture of uh, Alan Shearer. I've got uh, Gretna at the Scottish Cup final. Um, so these pictures, as you say, each picture tells a story, especially if you're there at the game and you sort of get the picture later. So... So that's uh, absolutely fascinating, uh, Craig. Uh, thank you so much indeed for telling us all of those stories. But we're not finished with you yet. Um, this weekend comes us uh, perhaps the, the biggest game of the season so far for Gretna in all reality. In it, we travel into up to Edinburgh to face Edinburgh University, who unfortunately for them are currently bottom, but uh, just by one goal uh, behind us, I'm afraid. Um, but it's prediction time. So, Jonathan, I'll, I'll get you to start first this week. Uh, what are your predictions for this weekend? Um, must win. <laughs> Simple must as. Win. Yeah. Must win. Um, yeah, there's no excuse for me uh, not to win this game. Uh, I want a big scoreline. I'll say 3-0. 3-0, says Jonathan. Craig, I know yeah. this is a little bit unfair on you, perhaps, but um, from what you've seen of Lowland League and from the stats... Well, 
this uh, uh, well, season you guys so know far. I've been doing a little bit of graphics what work for Spartans, so I've been pretty close to Lowland League. I've been keeping tabs on who's doing what. Um, and I know very well that Edinburgh University mm-hmm. are struggling a little bit. Um, it's up at Perfermel. Yeah, I'm, I've been listening to Jonathan the last few weeks. I'm confident in, in his opinion on Gretna that you're playing pretty well. You're just not getting the run in the green at the minute. So I think things are going to turn on Saturday and I think you will win 2-0. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's absolutely fabulous. Um, um, well, I can't go against the two of you. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping that we do actually get the win and it's not... Stop being, um, stop being cautious, Ian, and just go for the win. <laughs> right, OK. Um, I'm going to go for 2-1 to Gretna. Well, there we go. I, like, uh, you know, like I've been saying for a few weeks, we've been playing good football. Now's the time to, you know, take the chances and get the three points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's no live stream, I believe, this week, I'm afraid. And um, um, not even the social media crew are allowed into uh, Peffer Mill at the weekend. So um, our usual score update will try and continue, but we might be relying on, um, uh, well... I don't know what we'll be relying on, to be honest, but Edinburgh University's feed, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, due, Maybe, yeah. to the, due to the enhanced COVID restrictions up in Edinburgh, um, yeah. it will only be a very limited presence. It will only really be the playing staff uh, at Upper Edinburgh and University, it. which is a shame, but that's where we are at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Any other thoughts, Jonathan? I suppose what we should say, actually, this week is that our brand-new floodlights are now up, and I believe the final pylon is being wired up um, not exactly as we speak, but towards the end of this week. So yeah. they'll be ready for next week, another crunch game against Vale of uh, Leafen. So that's yeah. some good news this week. And I think we should thank uh, especially Stuart Rome, who's been tireless in securing the necessary funding from, from UEFA and, you know, really right high up organisations that we've had the funding to get those floodlights replaced after the storms of... Um, uh, last winter, so that's us uh, illuminated again. And any other news, Jonathan, that we need to catch up on? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan, indeed, for joining us once again. And uh, when when do we get into the new house? Oh, I don't know. Hopefully, still, the next couple of couple of weeks, I reckon. Still to be decided. In by Christmas, anyway. Yeah, it should be by Christmas. Yeah, definitely. Okay, that's absolutely fabulous. And uh, Craig, thank you so much indeed for joining us this evening. Um, absolutely fascinating stories. And uh, thank you so much indeed. And uh, keep safe and hopefully you get some, some good photographs in the future and opportunities and that we'll, we'll be seeing yeah, you soon you in, in a ground. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, when you guys do come up to um, Ainsley Park later in the season, maybe I'll get the opportunity to get along to that one. And uh, hopefully by that time, we'll all be back in the ground and able to enjoy a cracking game of football. Absolutely, yeah. We, there's, there's, a, there's a lot on that Spartans game as well. There's, um, there's four bottles of Prosecco on that game now. Um, we, we, is, spoke, yeah. we spoke to Andy Smith um, a few episodes ago. I don't know if you caught that one, Craig. Um, he's the uh, For those who haven't listened to that one, it's a fascinating episode that we did. Um, Andy is. Smith is the uh, chairman. Is that right? Chairman of the Scottish Football yeah. Supporters Association and, and a bit of a Spartans fan as well having played for them in the 70s. I think it was the yeah. 70s, wasn't it? I hope I'm not ageing him. Um, and yeah, oh, we had was, a, yeah. yeah, so we had a bottle of um, Prosecco or two on the first game, which Spartans just about shaved. 
Uh, so we've, yeah. double, we've made it double or quits for the return leg. So there's going to be a lot on that game. <laughs> so it would be yeah. absolutely lovely to see you there, Craig, if not before. It, it would, yeah. It'd be great to get up and actually, you know, everyone watch some football together. But we'll, we'll soon see, won't we? Yeah, indeed. OK, well, gents, thank you so much indeed for uh, joining us this evening. Um, hopefully tomorrow we'll see a positive result from Gretna up at Edinburgh University. Next week, we are hoping to have a, another podcast, obviously. That will be our 10th episode, so it's a bit of a special one. And, yeah. uh, uh, can we reveal? I think we can reveal, can't we, Craig, uh, Jonathan? Um, I think we yeah, can. Go on. We, yeah, are, yeah. we are very much hopeful that we will be having Joe uh, Jackson joining us next week. Obviously, uh, as you know, the Gretna FC 2008 Fans podcast are the sponsors of Joe. Uh, lovely guy and uh, we hope to get him on next week uh, pending obviously his work commitments and what he needs yeah. to do playing wise as well because we do train two or three times a week as well so we're hoping to fit Joe in in next week so that'll be another uh, exciting episode so for the yeah. time being everybody um, as Nicola would say follow the rules and then hopefully we'll get back into football grounds as soon as possible and stay safe everyone uh, good night for me Ian yeah, thank you very much, Craig, for coming on. Fascinating chat. And uh, thanks, Ian, again as well. Okay, thanks, gents. Bye now.